Welcome to a very special, exciting episode yes. of Shaken and Disturbed, Darren. Uh, I sh- it should be noted, I want to call yeah. this episode Shaking and Shaking. Disturbed because I feel like this will help with mm. our next interview. So we're maybe we're, we're, we're turning the tables. It should be called Shaking Your Ass and, and Disturbed. And Disturbed, absolutely. Of course, and today, yes, exactly. I absolutely am so excited. We are so excited to introduce... This is the best name in the world, by the way. Natalia Petrozella. Am I saying that correctly? You Ow. are. Well Ow. done. It's not so easy yes. to Thanks. pronounce, so I appreciate it. <laughs> I listened to the first episode. I rewound it to make sure I knew how to say your name. I'm I a professional. It. Thank you very much. <laughs> y- Absolutely. You are a professional, yes. So, Natalia, we're going to get into some conversation here, but tell everybody why you're on the show today, what this new project is, and where they can find it right off the top. Yes, so I am the host and co-producer of the podcast Welcome to Your Fantasy. It's produced by Pineapple Ooh. Street. It's available right now as a Spotify exclusive, and um, yeah, you can binge the whole thing, eight episodes plus a bonus right now. Wow. And I just want to say, because, you know, John, you and I are true crime podcast hosts, and, you know, we have we our, our pedigrees and every, uh, shockingly, we Believe have our pedigrees, yeah. but, but Natalia not only holds a BA from Columbia, she also mm-hmm. has a master's and a PhD from Stanford, so I feel like she's just a hair smarter than us. Just a touch. Not going I mean, crazy here. Just a little bit. I mean, bit. you have more Literally. letters after my name, but I would not go <laughs> yeah. necessarily smarter. I doubt that. <laughs> Let's yes. just put it this way. If anything, she's worked way harder than both of us in terms of her yeah. education. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, Natalia, yeah, thank you for joining us. Darren, take it away here. Well, yeah, so Welcome to Your Fantasy uh, is a really great podcast. I listened to all episodes. I think it was wonderful. It was also wonderful because, not that I know everything, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of murder and true crime cases that John and I could never even know about fully. But obviously people know Chippendales. That is a, that is a brand that is established. But I didn't realize there was true crime in Chippendales. I didn't realize they met head to head. So what in, what made you originally want to dive into Chippendales? I mean, did you know the brand was a true crime intersection at all? Okay, so talk about something you all have advanced degrees in that I don't, which is true crime. <laughs> like, you know, I'm a consumer because it's such a popular genre like on t- in all kinds sure. of media. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea Chippendales had a true crime angle. And I don't have, I didn't have particular expertise in that form. So I actually got interested in Chippendales first as a kind of like gender studies case study. I'm like, this is, you know, I study the late 20th century in the U.S. I'm like super interested in pop culture and sexuality and commodification. And it's got all those things. It probably could have yeah, been just, just a podcast say. about that. But then the thing yeah. that made me realize, okay, we should pitch this as a podcast was holy crap, like there's a murder at the beginning and then there is this murderous rivalry which culminates in this awful crime, you know, at the end of our show really. But then there's like all this other criming that's going on and I knew enough to know that that's like a very hot uh, thing to explore on podcasts. So it seemed to be (laughs) sort of like the perfect storm of a new frontier, but also stuff that I'm more familiar with. Let me ask you this because, you know, our listeners may be younger. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 35. I know Darren's 33-ish, I'm somewhere 42. in that range. Old yeah, so we, <laughs> we My know. girlfriend's 42, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's all good. It. But tell our listeners, and you do a great job of doing this in the first episode, a little bit of the backstory, not necessarily even of the true crime, but just what Chippendales is, because... I was very excited to be talking about this genre as a gay man myself. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but just for younger listeners who may not know. Yeah, totally. So Chippendales was, you know, not the first, but definitely the biggest and most famous male exotic dance review for women. Now they invite men in there too, but it really, Yay! Yeah, I know. Lucky. <laughs> Equal opportunity. Lucky not me. you, John. Not yeah. you, John. I'm like, Other I have men. like full like suit and like hazmat suit. I'm like, let's go to Chippendales in a pandemic. Anyway, John going wants to go to the Chris Farley Chippendales. Oh, yeah. Skin. With power. Patrick Swayze, yes, amen to that. Yes, um, but so yeah. anyway, Chippendales started in the CD nightclub in LA, then it had a New York City nightclub. But the thing that made it such a cultural phenomenon was that it became like this iconic American brand in the 1980s, very, very mainstream, mm-hmm. controversial. But Chippendales men were on mugs and wall calendars. They were on daytime TV. They had bit parts on sitcoms. So like I'm young enough that I was not old enough to go to a Chippendales show in the 80s. Like I was a little kid. But like I remember seeing them on Donahue or on Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Right. Those are talk show hosts or going to the mall oh, yeah. to buy New Kids on the Block merch. And I seeing was just going to say, you know, like the calendars. Oh, the now you're section. aging yourself here. <laughs> New Kids on the Block. Oh, no. That For everyone listening, that was obsession. like the original... <laughs> The original yes. One Direction, guys, for anyone who's who's aware of that. I love yeah. what you said in the first episode. You're like, I knew them from when I went into Spencer's Gifts at the mall and like would peek yeah, behind I related them. heavily I was to that. Like, oh, I was me like, too, oh, girl. <laughs> me too. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah so that's a, actually a great explanation about what Chippendales is. Yes. Mm-hmm. If there's ever been a year to make the moms in your life feel loved and appreciated on Mother's Day, it's this one. And although I've been down the street from my mom for more than a year, I haven't really been able to see her until recently. The last year has been tough for all of us. That's why I'm honoring my mom with a heartfelt, sentimental gift the whole family can cherish together forever. StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your mom, grandmother, mother-in-law, and every mother figure in your life share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's a fun new way to engage with them, especially if you can't be together in person. So every week, StoryWorth emails your mom a different story prompt. Questions you've never thought to ask, like, what is some of the best advice your mother ever gave you? Or, if you could choose any talents to have, what would they be? StoryWorth has helped numerous families learn about each other in profound, special ways, and their testimonials will practically move you to tears. In fact, StoryWorth has already created a powerful experience because, for me, sharing this with my mom has been so beautiful because she just loves these kind of sentimental and thoughtful gifts. There's no shortage of surprises either when reading the weekly stories, and they make your family feel close even if you're not together. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your mom's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. I'm so excited to give my mom this gift once everything is complete. I know she's going to cherish it forever. Give your mom the most meaningful gift this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com shaken. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com shaken for $10 off. And so, you know, I want to walk through, I don't want to spoil the entire podcast because I obviously want people to listen to it. So I, even though I kind of know what happens, I at least want you to like set it up a little bit because, you know, in episode one, we're kind of introduced to this tour manager, I guess, if you will, you know, they go on tour, Candace, and she's pretty feisty. You know, she, she's got a, she's got a nice flame to her, I would say. (laughs) Um, 
Tell us a little teaser maybe about her and what it's like chatting with her on Welcome to Your Fantasy. What was that like? Yeah, so one of the main characters, if you will, on the show is this woman, Candace Mayron, and she worked as, I think, technically an associate producer of Chippendales with with their like lead yeah. um, director and choreographer, Nick DeNoia. And Candace has this really interesting history where she was a backgammon champion. She worked, I was just going to say. Yeah, she worked in an yeah. investment bank in the 1970s, which is not standard for a woman. She had a law degree. She covered men's tennis for the LA Times. She's a big Ayn Rand uh, uh, fan. I mean, this is a woman. John! Um, okay, so I'm a big Ayn Rand fan, and John is a big tennis fan. So this woman, we're marrying Candace. Candace contains Candace is our woman. Okay, she really Oh, has. my God, John, stop showing the Funko Pops. <laughs> we're in an interview right now. For we're everyone listening, we're on Zoom, and I have my Venus Williams Funko Pop within arm's reach. So you just, I didn't even know this about her with the men's tennis thing. Now I'm going to make sure I dig a little deeper into her backstory. Yeah, so she, um, she was really interesting because she, you know, is not a woman who didn't have options professionally by any stretch of the Mm. imagination. And she basically one night um, was dressed up to go to a party that was not on the night she thought. And she's like looking all hot and had heard about Chippendales in part because they hosted backgammon there, which by the way, was this like high roller (laughs) thing in the 70s I learned that I had no idea oh I didn't know that yeah crazy so she shows up at Chippendales and um you know the bouncer was like you baby you come right in because she was looking good and she goes in there and she sees this show men stripping for women and she's so impressed with like the theatricality of the whole thing the attention to detail like she talks about how the guy who comes over and kisses her on the mouth when she waves a dollar bill because you got to invite them over how he had like minty fresh breath and that like clearly someone who knows what's <laughs> up is in charge of this and so she introduced herself to Nick DeNoia the man behind the direction of the show and they not only became friends but she became his right hand in terms of like you know making the show something that appealed to women's fantasies as she understood it so um yeah mm-hmm. you asked what it was like to talk to her I mean she was so fascinating um we went to her house in LA and she has like um, first of all she has like magenta hair and all the accessories in her house like mm-hmm. match her magenta hair um, she has all these knickknacks <laughs> she has like little sayings on the wall my favorite one is you can never be overeducated or overdressed and I was like I love that mm. <laughs> um, that's a great mantra yeah great she, mantra. she's really kind of sassy and interesting and a woman who has made her own way in I think a historical moment when she really was unique, you know? And so I, I, I right. love talking to her. I love, I, have a, I ahead, actually Garrett. have a quick question that I wanted to ask you about just for my own, sure. because I am an Ayn Rand fan and that those are, you know, the books are on my shelf and it's normally like if someone walks into my apartment and they're like, Oh, you like Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. The reason that you put that detail into that podcast, was that just to like paint a picture of her was, or does that just to show that she's kind of like, maybe an intellectual in some sort of way. She's, she's uh, not to toot my own horn. I'm saying that I am, I'm just saying, was that to paint this picture? I mean, yeah, I'm smart. Well, one was Uh, to paint the picture of like, you know, that the people who worked in and around Chippendales were mm -hmm. not just like people who put hot dudes on a stage and that's all they are. And so, yeah, there's a certain intellect to it, but also, you know, I think Ayn Rand is a really interesting figure because, you know, listeners, if you don't know, she's someone who was like, 
she's someone who really espoused like you know a fierce individualism and kind of like pick yourself up by your straps um yeah like you know kind of proto-libertarianism in a way and i actually think that that whole ethos about like you make your own way underlies the whole Chippendale story. You know, and it's very 1980s too. Like that's a moment when people were doubting government and like saying like, you know, greed is good and do it on your own. And so I think that that whole philosophy is like useful kind of intellectual context for that moment and for her too. That's so interesting. I love that. You just described me. I was just going to say very much, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) In a lot of great ways. So, okay. So that was Candace and we loved, I loved her. And if you guys are listening, at least check out, yeah, check out episode one. It's very heavy with Candace, especially in the beginning. You get a really good understanding of, you know, her reaction to, I think, not just um, the Chippendales thing, but what I want to get into next, which is the crime of it all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want to give it away either. I think it's it's a great idea to sort of have this conversation and like let our listeners go and explore. Yeah. But tell us about Nick DeNoia and Steve Banerjee in, in a way that can give us an idea about what was going on with the Chippendale stuff and how sort And maybe of, their personalities. Right, and right, their personalities flashed. and how we meet in the middle here with Chippendales and true crime. Because by the way... My my day has been made by this. You know, I, I'm very excited that finally John's gonna go try out now. John's gonna go be a Chippendales. A moment, <laughs> let me get my bow tie out. But I go ahead, it. let me hear what, okay. what you say. What you so think. to okay, so to give you a sense of kind of like who these men behind Chippendales yeah. are, not the hot guys on stage, but the guys behind the scene. First, <laughs> you have the founder who is Steve Banerjee, and he's this Indian immigrant who has like big Hollywood dreams. He idolizes Hugh Hefner and Walt Disney, and you know he has he's in many ways an outsider like he has a really thick Indian accent he has a stutter he starts as a gas station franchise owner and then he buys this dive nightclub and is trying to like you know see what works and gets people in the door he settles on a male strip show for women at the suggestion of this guy Paul Snyder who has his own little criminal side story which Mm. we can talk about in a second Mm -hmm. um yeah do you want me to talk about that now or you want to come back to it no no go for it that was my next question so however yeah so this guy Paul Snyder apparently saw a a male dance review at a gay club it was like you should do this for women so Banerjee and his partners put up the show it's pretty basic at the beginning like it's not highly choreographed or stylized and it's really hard to get guys to do it especially straight guys because there's this sense of like that's weird like why would I dance for dollars like this is gonna actually it's really shady like will I be able to get a legitimate job later so they have to kind of convince men to do it so they get some guys to do it instant hit people are showing up you know they're making the news etc anyway there comes a moment to kind of upgrade the show to more of a theatrical performance and we don't know exactly how they met But enter Nick DeNoia. So Nick DeNoia is like the polar opposite of Steve Banerjee in a lot of ways, except he's also really ambitious. Nick is from South Jersey. He comes from this big Mm. Italian family. He had always been a self-described song and dance man. So he had like snuck out of the house to take tap lessons. And he'd actually made a really good career for himself in children's television. So he um, had won an Emmy for this amazing show that like I watched with my kids. The only part of this podcast like 
you know, appropriate for my children. <laughs> it's called Unicorn Tales. You can watch it on YouTube. Okay. Oh. And it's like this big 70s New York City thing where New York City is actually called Unicorn City and they like remake old fairy tales. They're like dancing down Sixth Avenue. It's really cool. Is this my gay dream? Kind of. Is this what we want? Sounds our... like it. Yeah, it's really yeah. amazing. So anyway, Nick goes out to LA on a contract from Hanna Barbera, which is the cartoon company. Who knows what came of that? He somehow meets up with Steve Banerjee, says sees potential in the show. They set up a partnership, and Nick really takes over with his Broadway sensibility and goes to turn it into this show. Now that brings great success. Within a couple of years, they have a club in New York City, much bigger. Nick goes back to run that. And now they're not just two successful nightclubs. Like I mentioned before, there's merchandise, there's workout videos, there's daytime talk show appearances. And Steve and Nick, who are both pretty integral to the success of Chippendales, have really different personalities are mutually resentful of one another. And I think particularly Steve, who'd always been kind of behind the scenes, he's seeing Nick, this like super flashy, charismatic guy, getting a lot of the attention and the spotlight. And he kind of loves it because it brings more money to his bank account, but he also doesn't love it so much. And there's this one business deal which really starts to turn their rivalry uh, fatal, which is that um, Steve agrees to give Nick all the profits from the touring show, which doesn't really exist when they agreed to this on the back of a napkin, by the way. But then Nick builds out this touring show, making tons of money Steve, that Steve is not getting. It's not a pretty story. So I won't tell you how that unfolds, but yeah. it's, not, it's not pretty. And it's the core of our story in many ways. Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box, so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I just bought an electric car last summer, so I am absolutely very well uh, aware of the importance of these kind of environmental safety precautions. Darren and I loved our Green Chef kits. We were texting and voice memoing each other after each one that we made. One of the things I personally loved was how much flavor was in each and every one of these meals. They're not dull. They're not boring. These are very, very delicious meals. Go to greenchef.com slash 90shaken and use code 90shaken to get $90 off, including free shipping. So that is greenchef.com slash 90shaken and use code 90shaken to get $90 off, including free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. And as you're kind of, you know, diving into this case and learning about Nick's personality and Steve's personality, and obviously obviously you have a PhD in kind of studying maybe, you know, gender studies and human behavior, like, is this kind of just a normal business rivalry between two people? Or are you sensing it's like, when does this become dangerous? Because obviously it's a true crime podcast, so we know it gets dangerous at some point. And (laughs) But like, when was that turn? How would we kind of know what's normal jealousy and greed versus like maybe psychotic Well, behavior? it's such a good question. And you know, I'm not a psychologist, yeah. so I don't really know what's like the deviant right. behavior, like when that came in. But one thing that's pretty clear <laughs> is that Steve Banerjee, I would say, has sort of like normal or at least 
the kind of ambitions that you see in a lot of successful people early on. Like he's got Mm -hmm. this brand, he's got this single-minded pursuit of promoting it. And then because we were so interested in the criminality, one of the things that was very clear that unfolded in his case, and I think probably is the case with other people who do really serious crimes, is that it doesn't start with, I'm going to put out a hit on someone. It starts with, ooh, I'm going to fudge it on the parking permits. Ooh, I'm going to put in fake calls to the fire department to make it look like there's overcrowding so I get press. Oh, I'm going to, you know, um, have a discriminatory door policy or I'm going to short this guy who I'm Mm. paying. Or as he did, I'm going to put out arsons on competing clubs, which didn't go anywhere, but he tries to do that. And so what you really see, and we uncovered a lot of this in our research, because by the way, the main murder was known about, but a lot of this backstory wasn't we uncovered this like long legal history of bad deeds that he'd been up to for a long time so you know I'm not saying it's normal but I think that he was sort of you know ambitious in a very familiar way that didn't have to turn so dark and then he doesn't seem to be monstrous that it's like one day he's like a murderer it's like wow well you're doing all these illegal things your business is actually growing you're not really getting in trouble for it or the trouble you're getting into is so minimal that it's worth it it's like the cost of doing business and that that escalates so i don't know that's kind of how i understand him so i love this story like just the way you're describing it and i know a little bit about it i actually only listened to some of it because i wanted to sort of come into this a little bit blind with you sure so tell us and i'm captivated so tell us a little bit about paul snyder who you were just mentioning a minute ago yeah so paul snyder is part of the very early scene at chippendale so this is like 1979 Paul Snyder's from Vancouver. He's known in Vancouver as the Jewish pimp. He wears like long okay. fur coats. Yeah. Okay. He's got yes. this like weird mustache. He wears a big bejeweled Star of David around his neck. And he Yo, comes. I'm involved now. Yes. <laughs> he comes to LA through his girlfriend and then wife, Dorothy Stratton. So Dorothy, he met in a Dairy Queen. Like it doesn't get more sleazy than this. She was like oh 17 years old. Totally like storybook hot girl, you know, like blonde, wavy hair, um, buxom, like the whole thing. He's on a date with another woman. He picks her up. They start dating. He convinces her that he should, she should let him shoot nudes and he's going to send them to Playboy. And then she's going to, you know, enter oh, some good. contest for, for a playmate. And by the way, that's, and she's 17. She's by then, I think 18. Probably I think, 18. I think, okay. I think 18. Um, I'm sure it was fine, especially back in the day. Yeah. It's, it's a different right, world right. now. And like yeah. worth yeah. pausing on the fact that the way that a lot of Playboy models were found were that men found them and then the men were paid like a bounty for finding the women. Oh, God. Let's just put that that. out there. Yeah, that was like, I think we said it in that episode, but I feel like that bears repeating to understand the context. Definitely. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know during the last year, it's been even harder to keep myself focused. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. 
BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Here's a testimonial for a counselor named Tiffany where the user says, My sessions with Tiffany have been productive and useful. She listens carefully without judgment and offers solutions. It allows you to really feel comfortable and open up. I'm excited for the growth that will come as I continue to work with her. Visit BetterHelp.com Shaken, that's Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Shaken and Disturbed listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Shaken. Dorothy and Paul moved to LA and you know I guess to Paul's credit he kind of got her there she very quickly is rising the ranks she's playmate of the year she's getting actually legit movie roles which is not always a foregone conclusion for a centerfold he's like kind of a small town guy who can't really like get his own thing off the ground so he's like riding Dorothy's coattails and like really resentful Mm -hmm. of her and like you know he's always got like a business deal he's trying to do he was apparently really so socially awkward that at the um, Playboy Mansion like people didn't really like having him around but he does like in the way that he saw potential in Dorothy he has this idea for a male exotic dance review he brings it to Steve Banerjee again we don't know how they knew each other originally Um, Steve Banerjee was like I'll try it I mean to give you a sense the other nights of the week they had like female mud wrestling they had backgammon they had disco lessons it was like sure let's let some guys take their clothes off I mean sounds fun yeah Yeah, I want to mud wrestle and play backgammon at the same time people were showing up Snyder becomes the first MC of the show we have no footage of it which kills me but he was apparently a total dud (laughs) like not charismatic at all and so as they're getting more attention they want to get him out of there one of the other connections there is apparently the way that the Chippendales got their cuffs and collars is that Dorothy like basically asked Hef permission for this and he was like fine they can do it over at the club and so that's how they got their signature uniform oh that's the so it was taken from Playboy in a that's the lore that it was taken from lore and all these people are dead so it's very hard to get the exact story but that is the lore and we found nothing to contradict it and Banerjee always said this is like Playboy Club for women and the guys light their cigarettes so anyway this all is proceeding Dorothy Mm -hmm. is getting more roles she's like shooting a movie in New York um, Snyder is getting like more and more angry and um, she files for divorce with him and she goes to serve him the divorce papers at their home and he murders her and kills himself oh dear yeah oh dear and I get a chill still talking about it it's horrible it's a, it's a horrible mm-hmm. horrible story um, I see your jaw dropping I know and um, well did he did he have any criminal record beforehand I mean we knew he was a little socially awkward which could be a personality trait but did we know any 
I would be Any shocked if he didn't have a criminal record because he was always up to shady deals. We didn't look at his <laughs> legal history really closely in the primary documents, but um, yeah, and so he kills her and she and, and kills himself too, and it's just this really tragic downfall for this young rising star. Um, yeah, so for Chippendales, one of the interesting things is I'm like, oh my god, and I'm asking like the few guys who were there at the beginning, like, what was that like? How did you deal? Did you grieve? Was there an e- not an email? Was there like a message to the mm-hmm. Chip Nils guys? And they're like, no, Banerjee was like, didn't know him when the cops came by. And they're like, you knew him. And he's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. I don't want to get involved. And he's oh like, God. washed his hands <laughs> of the whole thing and moved on. And it's not right. to say he had anything to do with the murder, but I think it's like an interesting foreshadowing of like Definitely. his very sort of like cold hearted approach to true ugliness. Yeah, like, I, I, it just, it also, to me, it's like a sign of the times in a lot of ways, right? Because I'd be like, yeah. that would never happen today. Like, if there was a shooting or a murder at anything, even like a drag brunch in New York City, take the opposite of maybe Chippendales, like, there would be, everyone who ever visited mm-hmm. that drag brunch would be under investigation now. Like, I really do think that's kind of part of it. Yeah, I do think, like, the whole media environment has changed so much. And so, like, yeah, I was just going to say that's that. that's definitely yeah. the case. Although, you know, I would say a drag brunch is not that different from Chippendales in some ways. I was yeah, just thinking that a little bit, too. It's kind yeah. of the same, I kind guess. Kind of the same uh, thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think th- it would have been possible for him to wash his hands of this in the same way. There's no way. Right. But everyone kind of moves on, status yeah. quo. Like, we're this... Yeah, this kind of plagues and and just to give a little teaser to the audience obviously this murder happens and we can talk about it and but that's not clearly the only uh, true crime uh, that is yeah. happening in, in the ether here that just kind of sets this domino effect maybe off and sets the stage for it yes right? and that in itself is a fascinating story but it's not our story and we kind of grappled with it because there is a whole weird mm. like thing that goes on with her like there's a lot more to that story but you need yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say you need a spinoff show. Is what yeah, I was trying to yeah, say. seriously. Yes, Spotify. Um, let's get on that, please. Thank you. Yeah. But we thought for our narrative, and as you know from listening to having mm-hmm. listened to a bunch of it, you know, it's very like uh, narrative driven, and so we were like, this is useful to us to yes, provide some information, but also primarily as a foreshadowing of the criminality for that's sure. to come. So yeah, we we had to dispense with some of the footage and stuff we had about Dorothy and Paul. I want to ask a question because. Does this connect? I mean, I know Magic Mike is obviously like the biggest, and I think there's a sequel actually to that movie, which is like, you know, it's sort of like Chippendales-esque. Is there anything from Magic Mike? Like, are are there any connections? And maybe, just asking because maybe our listeners can make some sort of like mainstream connection to to this story. Well, you know, like I said, when Chippendales started, it was a very strange thing. And like, even like sort of porny and underground and like not something respectable ladies would do or that would be in like feature movie (laughs) theaters or even get a feature film deal. Right. And so I would say Magic Mike and the way that like, yeah, it's like sexy but it's not pornography like that kind of like mainstreaming of this like very sexy male dancing for women but not sex work and not full frontal nudity and I think that's important I think Uh, that wouldn't have been able to happen without Chippendales and I should say there is a direct link or at least when we were told about where one of the dancers who we interviewed who doesn't really come into our story that much on the podcast but informed a lot of our thinking a man named Scott Lane he's actually the only guy 
from the 80s who's still in the business and he has a club called Hollywood Men in Hollywood and he said that before Magic Mike um, let me write that down yeah so go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> my producers went to a show actually and I was gonna this. say did you do this for research were you renting Magic Mike were you <laughs> yeah, out I don't at the know. clubs this seems too convenient to this be is honest very so Lane Scott Lane told us <laughs> that the Magic Men the Magic Mike crew actually came to his club before they filmed the movie and like he thinks that's oh, some of their inspiration okay. from there and you know he obviously came from yeah. Chippendales so there's a long lineage right. of uh, the male strip you know <laughs> dancing yeah sounds like it yes well, this was so interesting. I think everyone needs to go and listen to Welcome to Your Fantasy, which Yay. is available on Spotify. Darren, what else yeah. should we? I'm so like, I want. I don't want to give too much away here in this interview because yeah, it's so interesting. I, I wanted to do a nice teaser. I guess before we, we wrap this up, and, and yeah, we're going to link everything to the show notes of where you yeah. can find it, where you can follow Thank Natalia, you. et cetera. But what surprised you the most about this case like what's something that you walk away from it maybe having learned maybe for the benefit mm-hmm. of yeah. of humankind so a lot of things but one of the um one of the things that like i never saw even reported or mentioned or alluded to in all the chippendales articles that i read and and we looked at like every newscast was any explicit treatment of race and how it figured in both to the crime narrative and to the right. um, like the creation of this aesthetic. And we found out through our reporting and talking to black dancers and talking to black patrons of the club that, oh my God, Steve Banerjee had a deliberate door policy not to let black people in, that for him having a club wow. meant having, having a classy club meant a white club. Now keep in mind, he is a dark-skinned Indian man himself mm-hmm. and in our reporting what? yeah this which is also interesting and we explore all of this um throughout but in our reporting and talking to these african-american men who would be like the one black dancer on stage etc we mm-hmm. learned so much about how um like race operated to keep this both like a white look you know now you have obviously chippendales of all backgrounds just like you have gay chippendales openly gay chippendales back then it was really one look You're right. white um and it was straight wow. of course and the race yeah. piece had like never been explored and we got incredible tape talking to people who um mm. who experienced it all firsthand and they had never been asked these questions either so that was really cool to be able to do and really surprising yeah, yeah 40 I mean, to 50 years later it's almost those issues it seems totally. like maybe nothing has changed especially now in 2021 with black lives matter being at the forefront maybe more than yeah. ever yeah. it's it's very interesting to hear this case from back then and kind of those feelings are now being uncovered something that they never really thought of back then I, I, guess. I think it like, also makes you realize how like you know other people have reported on Chippendales before I'm not pretending we're the first people to think this is interesting sure. but it's like obviously part of the reason I'm asking those questions about race and we're wondering oh why isn't this in the story is because I am living through this moment and so it's Black yeah, Lives sure. Matter and studying African American history and all that that makes me think like we can't not ask about this and then when you start asking questions you start uncovering new insights and I think that's like a really exciting part of just reporting and I was just gonna say that doing this work I mean it's like it's such a, a cause and effect of the moment right because like maybe you wouldn't have thought about that in the exact same way had we not 
been a part of this movement. And now you're uncovering even more of the stories of these black people that were, you know, maybe shunned and discriminated against. Yeah. And like the last thing I'll say, just, I know you want to wrap up, but it is really interesting. It's like, no, of, please. Of, I don't. Of, <laughs> course, of course, then you also have to check yourself. And sometimes you get checked by the people exactly. you're talking to about how much you're imposing your own moment Biases, on the past. Yes. And so I was interviewing yeah. Hadari Sababu, Good who point. was that one black dancer, and he's telling me about all this racist treatment that he got, but he's still working mm. there and he knows he's making less money. He's not allowed to be in the calendar because no Southern white ladies would buy a calendar with a black man in it. And I'm like, were you ever like, this is so racist, like I gotta get out of here? And he's like, you gotta stop. He's like, no. Yeah. He's yeah. like, the world <laughs> said, no. was racist. I was making good money. I was hanging out with hot girls. Mm. I was like learning about business and how the world works like relax with your like social justice project you know and it was just like very interesting and I think it's important to like both bring the perspectives that we have from the moment we're in and also to be really humble about the limits of imposing the present on the past because it never works out well yeah Amen to that. Well, Natalia, thank you for coming into thank our you. fantasy. We're <laughs> so yes, excited. This was uh, I, so if, if Zoom doesn't kick me off, we really appreciate you taking the time. And everyone, please listen to Welcome to Your Fantasy on on uh, Spotify. We're going to link to it in our show notes. And of course, when this episode airs, like we're going to get feedback, and we would love to have you on to talk about more sure. uh, sexy yeah. strippers, if you will. That sounds great. <laughs> Thanks, Natalia. Thank you. Thanks, Natalia. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>